Yes, it is the Heretic Happy Hour, and I am Keith Giles. I am one of your hosts here for the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. I am the author of several books, including Jesus Unbound, Liberating the Word of God from the Bible, and a couple others. And uh, I'm joined by my co-hosts, the amazing, the incredible Matthew and Jamal. Say hi, guys. Hi, friends. My name is Jamal, and I am the author of... uh, Can I say this? Because... Because I think this is this episode will be posted on the sixteenth of April. Is that right? And my book has come out like the day before. Yes. Okay. Living, just living uh. for a living, and it's. Uh, let me just tell you, like again, I'm, I may, I may be. It's possible I could be a little bit biased, but I do believe that if you get the book, it, you, your your the rest of your life will be radically different. So you should <laughs> awesome. get the book. I gotta read that book now. Yeah, that's a glowing endorsement, my friend. I hope it yeah. will. I'm excited for your book to come out, man. I'm thank, excited. Thank you. Thank. You. Yeah, I am yeah. too. So much. Well, so that makes me Matt DeStefano, um, now a podcaster. I have a podcast coming out called the Bonfires Bonfire Sessions. So now I can now I can call myself a podcaster. You finally have a podcast. Good. Finally, who doesn't these days? I tell you, yeah, everyone's I mean, got a podcast, man. More white guys with podcasts. <laughs> that's true. Sorry, Jamal. Mm. Wow. Awesome. So, I mean, uh, we probably should say, by the way, this is the final episode in our sex series. So, yeah. um, so last episode was about masturbation, and we did tell you at the beginning to take the kids out of the room. But afterwards, we decided, you know what? Maybe maybe kids should stay in the room for the masturbation episode. But this mm-hmm. one, this one, I'm pretty sure your kids should not be in the room. This was going to be about uh, good, good loving. So. Um, so yeah, this is but this, this will be our final episode in the sex series, and um, our next one coming up after this, I'm very excited about as well. It'll be about the nature and the attributes of God. Um, we'll talk about you know different things about God, the nature of God and His character and things like that. And um, amazing, right? so we're going to talk. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about ourselves in this. In I'm sure. Well, you will probably talk yes. about this. <laughs> but we have some amazing interviews we've already recorded in advance. Like we've we've got David Bentley Hart, we have Brian Zahn, uh, Thomas J. Ord, uh, yep. so many so many yeah. awesome Jim, interviews. Jim Palmer, right? Oh, Jim Palmer. That's right. That was, yeah. yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, so good. yeah, good stuff. By the way, by the way, Jim Palmer wrote the forward to my book. Just a little plug. Did he really? Yeah. Are you nice? The plug, sure did. I didn't. Know that. I actually liked his. I actually liked his forward almost as good as, as much as I liked my. Book. Wow, I did not know that. That's Fantastic. awesome. Well, hey, uh, we also, by the way, have a sponsor for our episode uh, of the Heritage Happy Hour. Uh, this episode is sponsored by the Hope Center, uh, a community resource center serving one of Alabama's poorest communities by providing a neighborhood market where neighbors can shop for food at no cost in an atmosphere of love and respect. Please visit their website at servealabama.org for more information. Yes. And okay. I just wanted to say this. Um, and Matt, I'm, I'm very proud of you for your new, your new podcast that you got coming out. And, oh, um, you. and you know, in addition to being, first of all, um, there's kind of a role, like if you want to have podcasts, you have to be a white, a white male and yeah. straight, but, <laughs> but there's a like you really haven't got came on the scene as a podcaster 
until you um, have a hotline. Mm-hmm. And so far, we're the only ones with a hotline, guys. What a segue that was. <laughs> yes, amazing. So uh, we do have a hotline, and I think the guests have heard about it. But if, in case you haven't, uh, the listeners, in case you have not heard about it, let me give you the number. Um, the number is 240-343-7379. And uh, you can text that number, or you could... Um, you could leave a voicemail, whatever. And we, uh, we actually do have um, a text. So could we cue that up? Okay. This is a text from a listener. Um, it's quote, could you discuss nudity and Christianity? Naturism is nudity healthy. Is it godly or ungodly? Many conservative Christian churches teach that nudity is wrong using the passage about Noah's nakedness and his son. Hmm. Unquote. Um, well, I, it's so funny because even just hearing you read that question, uh, I'm just rolling my eyes here. You can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes because I just thinking like, how could nudity be wrong or ungodly? Like, aren't we all born nude and didn't God make us nude? And I, I just kind of silly to me that we've got this feeling that the human body is, is, uh, you know, dirty or ugly or somehow shameful. And I think we've been talking on this, this whole sex series, right? This whole idea of taking shame out of the equation. So I do know that for some people, nudity is offensive and they don't like nudity in artwork or in, in film or things like that. And, or, you know, uh, I personally, for me, I don't have a problem with it. I don't see nudity in itself uh, as something bad or something you know, to be avoided. I think it's actually beautiful. I think the human body is amazing. Yeah, I would, I would want to not start in Genesis nine with the Noah's story and talk about, uh, you know, the, that there was no shame in, in the nakedness in the garden of Eden. And so if, if, uh, if the passages from Genesis teach us anything, it's that, well, there's a problem with nakedness when, well, I guess if you drink too much and you pass out, (laughs) Um, and, but then there's also, there's also this business of shame. And so it's like, it almost seems that when we shame nakedness, then it creates a problem. It creates like the expulsion of one of the sons and being cursed and this whole business of like the human family again, breaking up. And, um, you don't, you don't get that shame. If you, if you just take, take steps back in Genesis, you know, it's one last quick thing. Uh, it, it's unfortunate how we start our anthropology and Richard Roy, I think has pointed this out multiple times when we start not with like the good creation and the goodness of humanity, but with like the fall and the things of the fall, then we're off on the wrong foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I, um, it's an interesting question. Um, and nudity is one of the, so couple things, a couple thoughts come to mind. Number one is I, th- I find it fascinating that we're the only species that think of ourselves as being naked. Like I don't, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sure no dogs are running around going, I'm naked. <laughs> and, and, and we don't view dogs as naked or we don't view birds. Look at that bird. It's naked. Um, it just is what it is, you know? And, and so I, my, my personal belief is that the, the concept of nakedness in, in, in what I love about the Genesis account, obviously I think it's an allegory. It's a, it's a metaphor. Um, it's um, it's it, there's deeper truths being communicated in the story, but this idea of lack. So when the when the, when the lie of lack, which you know, in my first book, Free to Love, I have a chapter on the lie of lack and this idea that <clears throat> these human beings were made in the image and likeness of God. And when that when the serpent was like, "Hey, you know, you could be like God if you just took on this 
information of the knowledge of good and evil from outside of you. And, you know, then you, you would be like this. It was this idea of like, you're actually not like God, which is the first introduction of like, you're lacking something, even though they were already like God. So this idea, like they're lacking something. Then the next thing is like nakedness, which is implies lack and like, okay, I'm missing clothes, but it's like, well, wait a minute. This thought of like, I'm missing something is really a fundamental human problem. So nakedness is kind of this, it's kind of a, a, a metaphor of the, of the deep sense of that we're not quite okay. And so I, I do think that it's, it's, it is a metaphor, um, but the, it's a metaphor of shame. Like we feel shameful in our own being. Um, so I don't have a problem with nakedness. It's really interesting, actually, just one of the beautiful things I find about being married and being just, you know, with another human being at that level is that you're really okay being naked in front of another human being and not having any shame. And that takes some learning. <clears throat> I do find that like when people like, well, what do you think about nudist colonies? I think the, the, the person who was texting is like alluding to this, like, what do you think about nudist colonies or naturism and that kind of thing? You know, I, again, I don't want to come at things from, you know, I think their words were like, is it godly or ungodly? Basically it's another way of saying, is it right or wrong? I try not to live my life from this basis of is something right or wrong? Cause that's the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Is this good? Is this evil? It's not right or wrong. The question for me personally, I can only say that I find that in this world, in this age that we live in, like I would not be comfortable walking around naked in public. Just me personally, I just wouldn't do it. Just, just because I think of the consciousness of shame and all that kind of thing, you know, um, technically, I just, I don't know. I feel, I find that that, that essence of like where we start, I think Richard, where I heard him recently talk about, you know, you, you know, you, you have to start somewhere before you end up somewhere. So, you know, in order to see Christ in everything, you have to see Christ in something. And so like this idea of that, we're all like, you know, seeing each other in the sense of like, just from the place of wholeness and no shame. I think that's the ideal, but I think where it starts in this dimension I think it does start in your intimate relationship that you have, you know? So for me, I feel comfortable being naked and I'm growing in that even with my, with my wife. But I think that grows eventually the idea like in, in maybe another age or whatever, like we don't have that shame complex. So that's not an issue. That's just kind of my approach to it. Again, I don't, I don't judge it as being right or wrong, but for me, this is where I'm comfortable. You know, I wouldn't be, I personally would not be comfortable just in a nudist colony or something like that. Oh yeah. No, I mean, if that's the question, then, uh, then yeah, I might, I'd have a different answer. Like I, I personally wouldn't feel comfortable in a, in a nudist colony or a nudist beach or something like that. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, I guess the way I took the question is more of like the question of like, is nudity healthy? Is it godly or ungodly? Like, well, nudity in itself, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I do, but, I, but I, at the same time, I do think there, um, yeah, I mean, there's just a cultural norm of like we don't just run around without clothes on, mm -hmm. uh, and I think it, then there's you probably would be arrested for that <laughs> if you just walked around with no clothes on. So. Yeah, and and again, I know people who are comfortable with it, so it's totally fine if that's if that's sure. true. You know, um, uh, there's a another yeah. text we can't got into the we probably need to keep that one. Okay, this is from a listener. Hey guys. This is Jeff, your friendly neighborhood gay Christian. I really loved your episode 43, as my friends called the gay episode. My, my group that listens to your podcast every week wanted to say thank you for this. We have so much love for you guys. 
I have a friend who listened to this and cried uh, throughout the episode because he has felt marginalized by the church and his family. And this episode has really helped him through his struggle. So I want to thank you for helping my friend. Um, now we can help him grow spiritually from here. Love you guys. Can't wait to hear more topics. Matthew, keep dropping the F-bomb. Every time Matthew drops the F-bomb, we take a shot. And then there's a hashtag in, in the quote, in the text here. And it says, Matthew is dreamy. I can't disagree. I can't disagree with that. Are we going to get that? Are we going to try to get that trending on Twitter? Hashtag Matthew. I think it already is. Yeah. It's already trending. Oh, we, we have our tech guy tells us we have uh, we have news that mm. it's now trending. Yeah, but it. All right. Well, um, yeah, I will keep saying fuck. I don't plan on stopping. Um, I I will. I can. I cannot say that people should be taking shots when I say fuck because now I'm going to be self conscious because I don't I don't want people getting blackout drunk while they listen to the show. <laughs> but maybe that's why they love it so but, much. Maybe. No, I think a couple would be helpful. I think is isn't that why you have to have a couple of drinks at a at a comedy show? Right, exactly. Uh, but I don't know. Sometimes do you think I've said it like maybe 15, 20 times in an episode? I I don't recommend taking that many shots. That's true. So but thank you for the text. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. And I love I mean, I love the fact that my goodness, actual people are affected in positive actual ways in real time because of the show. That's um it's very uplifting. So thank you to let us know that. I'm glad it helps. And yeah, 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 definitely. That's great. Yeah. Oh, so we don't, okay. So we don't have a voicemail, so we're going to move on. We got just a couple announcements and then Keith will have a quick announcement and then we'll get to the heretic of the week. But uh, I just want to tell you all that we have a website. If you don't know by now, it's heretichappyhour.com. You can access all the, uh, all the episodes. We have a store and all that good stuff. And if you, oh, we got shirts. Yes, we got shirts and pillows. There, there, we have yeah, lots of pillows. There is so shirt. I think they're funny. There is a Mary Magdalene shirt in the stores. If anybody wants to get one of those shirts, there, there it's is. right next to the Agape Against <laughs> right. Machine. Teacher. Yeah, we're gonna have to have an update on who's winning the um, the shirt <laughs> sales contest. I think it's probably Keith. That's my guess. And I've seen a couple of Agape Against the Machine shirts just on Facebook in the last week. It's kind of gone crazy. People are posting yeah, people wearing like the shirt. So. Yes. So if you no, if you have a shirt though, that's a great idea. Send us your pictures of that. That's um, I like it's 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 wonderful seeing that kind of stuff. And speaking of Facebook, if you are on Facebook, we have a Facebook group where you can engage with other listeners, and you can engage with you can engage with us and chat about topics, um, hopefully somewhat related to the show most of the time, or just stuff you're dealing with. Hopefully, we try to make it the best space possible to do that. So yeah, we have a Facebook group. Please join us on there. Yeah. All right. And uh, we also have uh, a Patreon page. So for those of you who just absolutely cannot get enough of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, and really, who can? Uh, We have a Patreon page. So those of you who um, support us on a monthly basis, get access to bonus content, bonus interviews, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. In fact, we are uh, in the process and the final stages of wrapping up our board game, The Slippery Slope. So that will be coming soon as well. And we want to stop and say thank you to some of our recent Patreon supporters uh, who just recently um, supported the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. So big shout out and huge thank you to Kelly Kalmodin, Jennifer Marquette, Jesse Kelly, Michael Potter, and Heather James. Thank thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Which means it's that time. Guys, I'm excited to announce this couple as the Heretic 
of the week. It's the heretic of the week. Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Krista. And we are heretics. Hi, Hi Luke and, and Krista. Krista. <laughs> <laughs> wow, guys, it's an honor. So excited uh, to have you guys on the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. Um, uh, just for the listeners, I've I've known, or I, Luke, I've met you, you know, a few years ago, and we, you know, we've done something. We've, we've you've been on my personal podcast, and I absolutely adore the work that you and your wife are doing. And I've just heard so many great things, and personally have benefited just from our interactions in tremendous ways. And obviously, we're doing a um, series on sex on the Here to Happy Hour podcast. And uh, when we we talked about the topic of good sex, you know immediately you guys came to mind just because of the work that you guys have been doing. And um, so anyway, like um, I guess our first question that we typically ask our guests uh, is why would some people, particularly in the maybe more traditional Christian world, why would, why would some people think or consider you guys to be heretics? Oh man. Well, <laughs> Where do you start? I, think, I think one of the first things that comes to my mind is that uh, we, neither one of us are very afraid to talk about what's wrong with us. Mm. We we will tell you right off the bat where we failed, where we're messing up, where we're feeling insecure, where we maybe, uh, you know, we don't we try to not live by a facade, but just by this level of honesty, knowing that uh, typically honesty is the point of transformation. So, and then we talk about all the things that helped us heal right. from all of that crazy stuff, and some of it, most of it's not Christian. That's right, uh, and you know we we kind of push the boundaries of what people would quote unquote call Christian. So I am not afraid to ask questions, to jump out of the boat, to challenge. He drops every, a lot of F-bombs. Yeah. And I cuss a lot, <laughs> <laughs> which I'll hold my tongue on this conversation. Oh no, 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 please listen. Um, uh, th- this podcast is rated explicit so oh, okay. you can speak freely. Right. You can be yourself, babe. That's going to be okay. We'll see how that goes. An effing heretic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Our other host. I'll Matt, just Matt still just say effing. <laughs> no worries. Our other host, Matt DiStefano, uh, uh, he typically uh, drops f bombs. He like covers all the bases for us when it comes to dropping okay. f bombs. Oh yes, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a heretic because I talk about energy a lot, right? And the energy of a woman's body and sexual energy, and everybody thinks that the New Age movement has a monopoly on the word energy, <laughs> as opposed to science. Mm. So I love the energy of emotions in our body and how our body is a woman aligns with the moon and you know, the energy of that magnetic pull that pulls out babies and changes the tide. So apparently that's heretical these days. And I would say I'm, I'm a bit of a heretic one because uh, I teach men uh, how valuable their emotions are instead of how invaluable and ignorable they are. And then I also, I also hold some beliefs about the, the fact that your humanity proves uh, proves you more to be like God than otherwise. Mm, I love so. it. I love that. Well, say that again. Your humanity, <laughs> your humanity reveals more divinity than you would imagine. Ah, so good. And than you ever knew. That's the best uh, way to put it. That yeah, sounds great. like Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you are more like Him than you've been taught. Absolutely, absolutely. So. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, just a. You know, uh, I'm just curious, um, and, and, and Krista, you talked about energy and how 
you know, people think that, uh, you know, that, that the new age movement has a monopoly on energy, but, but how, I mean, cause I, I would imagine that you, you come from, um, you know, Christian background and that kind of thing where all that is taboo and not talked about. Um, how did you discover the, you know, just thinking about energy and how we're connected to uh, the rhythms of the universe and how, how, how the universe is put together. I think people think that we're all just separate and human beings just operate mm-hmm. in, disconnected from the universe as if the, the cycles of the moon or the, you know, I, I'm learning about air and Ayurvedic medicine and Ayurveda. That's very, yeah. Princ- it's just a fundamental principle that the universe uh, as is the ma- ma- macro, so is the micro. So as as the, as right. the cell is, so is the universe. As the body is, so is the war- the universe. So, but these are all very much aligned. And when we get out of alignment with that, then obviously we have problems. But I'm curious about like how did you discover this um, in in relation to sexuality, um, and 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 how it's all connected to the rhythms of the universe. This is something that obviously Christians almost rarely talk about, but we it's it's it has everything to do with the creation. The way I look at it, God created the universe so it would it would make sense that we are in rhythm with that i'm just curious how you stumbled on that and got into that well it's been a process for sure but i would say the gateway is personal pain Mm. and things that weren't aligning with freedom in my own body and my emotions especially as a woman we're cyclical beings and we are taught to be many men in a linear space as opposed to really aligning with the the rhythms of the cosmos. You know, the feminine is in alignment with the earth and the earth is constantly okay with death and rebirth. The winter is not freaking out knowing that, you know, you have to have death in order to have life and that's the feminine flow. So most of my life was in a masculine space My body was in the masculine, which is very linear, directive, hard. Look at the penis. It's very phallic, gets hard, straight. And, you know, in sex with Luke and I for years, my body didn't know how to soften into the divine feminine that I'm created to be, which when you are hard as a woman, blood flow can't get in, energy can't get in, pleasure, you can't experience pleasure together and sexual union. So most of my study and um, discovery of all of this came from my inability to find pleasure in my body as a woman and going, God, you got to help me and you have to lead me to teachers and to things that unlock me because this doesn't feel like life. Yeah. So Krista, what were the, can you talk a little bit about what were the things that were preventing you from seeing that? And then what are the things that kind of help you unlock that? Like, what was it that kind of clicked for you to make you realize, oh, this is what needs to change? Well, the prevention was mostly religious indoctrination. I was so afraid that anything that wasn't Christian or overtly evangelical Christian had demons all over it. You know, so I was, I feel like we're bred in Christianity sometimes to fear anything that doesn't look like us. And my pain was so great and my, you know, my life wasn't working and this box of religion and Christianity wasn't working. So I kind of threw the box off going, well, I actually had a moment on a beach in San Diego where I asked Holy Spirit, what do I need to let go of? And I heard very clearly, are you tired of doing my job? 
And mm. I, I said, well, what do you mean, God? I, how am I doing your job? And I heard you're so afraid of being deceived that you already are because you begin everything in fear. And that mm. was this really transitional moment for me where I realized I'm afraid constantly of being deceived. And so I'm going to throw off that box and I'm going to be led. And I would get in my car and I would go, okay, God, where am I supposed to go? And I might hear a crystal shop. You know? <laughs> and so I would go into these places that I had been taught were evil. And then a um, woman who was um, an herbalist and knew how herbal medicines could unlock the energy in certain chakras of the body would come up to me and read my mail. Just tell me, you're stuck here and here and I can help you. And I was being led into these places that I taught were evil to find out that the spirit was there. There was life on so much of it. And the manifestations in my body, my sex life, our relationship kept, you know, producing more life than the box of Christianity was. Krista, uh, mm. you're just dropping bombs here. <clears throat> There's, that is unbelievable. I, I love that statement. Uh, you made this statement that you're, this is what you heard, that you're so afraid of being deceived that you already are because you begin everything in fear. That is unbelievable. So incredible. It was a huge shock for me. I realized yeah. I lived my life out of the kingdom I professed to follow. You know, I didn't live in love and trust that I could be led in the feminine flow. I was led by the box of certainty, which meant I was boxed up and in a cage in my physicality. Well, yeah, well, fear, fear, unfortunately, is the main motivator for most churches and, and a lot of Christianity is, um, it's all about fear. In fact, I just, I just watched a video clip of R.C. Sproul and uh, John MacArthur talking about how we need to put more terror and fear into our preaching so that oh. people could literally be scared and terrified uh, to, you know, <laughs> to come to Christ and like, oh my gosh, it made me sick. This is why, um, this is why spiritual abuse has been added to the therapy diagnosis book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Of the reasons for trauma. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Just in the last iteration, the last publishing of it, they added uh, physical, emotional, verbal, and they added spiritual yes. abuse. And that's, yeah, that would be the root to me. Pretty sick. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you found, you found some freedom from this fear and that really helped you, uh, I'm assuming not just in your sex life, but maybe in other ways as well. So can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was everything, but everything in a woman is sexual energy because it's it's our birthright. We're creative energy. We birth life, not just physically with a human being, but creatively and spiritually and emotionally. It's all in the energy of the womb space where Christians are taught to shut down. So my energy in my womb space um, as sexual energy for the creation of a new book or who I'm meant to be in the world, or as a mother. I mean, that gets locked down. I think it's why women are so depressed. It's why they're so we hold so much emotion in our womb space and our cervix, and that hardens up. And, you know, it stifles life in every area. So, yeah, it didn't just change my sex life, but everything is sexual energy to me. And so it's that energy of creation in my body as a woman and why women feel so cut off, like we don't belong on planet Earth. 
is so much of us, we've been taught to be cut off from our sexual mm. energy. Yeah, that is. Th- that, Does that make it, sense? <laughs> it, well, yeah, it, totally. Yeah. Men and women, they're just the same because men have been cut yes. off from it too. Yeah. We just have a whole different structure for the way we work. Totally, than the way women totally. Work. And this is kind of a joke on our podcast. So mm-hmm. I, I talk a lot about Mary Magdalene, but but um, but I do think just my understanding yeah. of the traditional Christian message. I mean, going back, I really do feel like there was so much em- embodiment of masculine energy in Jesus, but also feminine, the feminine uh, divine energy yeah. that that she represents. Totally, and of course that that voice was shut down. I mean, if you get into the history, the, the nuance of the history of early Christianity, that voice of the feminine was, was very much shut down right after, <clears throat> I believe after Jesus, you know, um, left the scene. So yes. it's, yeah, the book of Mary, you see it happen. If you read the book of Mary, it's like, Oh my right. gosh, Peter, you mm-hmm. just shut her down. You shut off the voice of the feminine, the feminine. And then they made her a prostitute, sure. Pope Gregory, which it wasn't even so, true. <laughs> she was like the benefactress. Yeah. And some people ministry. would even, you know, some, there's a lot of folks out there would believe that they had a very unique relationship that, you know, and it, again, know. without going into all of that, I, I find it fascinating specifically as it relates to sex, like the sexual relationship, um, you know, between the man and woman. Like, I, I think I would just love for you guys to expound a little bit, maybe on, cause you, you talked about this just briefly that, um, a masculine energy is it's it's hard it's straight it's you know that and then a feminine energy is soft and open and obviously if if re- receptive yes flowing. and if obviously if, for you as a woman when you were operating in a masculine energy that that shut you down from 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 that feminine affected your physical body your sexual practice and of course yes. i'm sure Lu- you know lucas could talk about this but like just um you know the 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 difference between operating within masculine and feminine distinctiveness in within yourself, like, and how that affects the sex life. Could you talk about how that affects sexual practice? Like even, even down to the, to the act of sex, how does that, how did this change your sex life? Cause I, I think you guys have talked about on your own podcast, how first 10 years of your marriage, I mean, there was bad sex and, and, and how did sex. that just coming into your feminine <laughs> For you, Kristen and Lucas, maybe you come in, into your masculine. How did that affect your sex life, like practically? Right off the top of my head, the first thing I think about it is, you know, we just we just referenced where the feminine voice was shut down, uh, even mm-hmm. in Christianity. But this is such a fascinating thing, sex, sexually speaking, as well, because in that regard, oftentimes it's understood that the woman is there to serve the man's sexual needs first. And if we understood that the way our, we're made physiologically, that a man's, the apex of a man's pleasure is not his own body's pleasure, but the woman's pleasure, right? then we might understand that uh, a man giving a woman uh, a climax and an orgasm is actually the apex of his pleasure. Yep. So if we could understand that him being the, uh, and I think about this a lot, where the man, where she said a woman you know, the softness and the softness that a woman needs to learn and can carry. It's the same for men, except men can not hardness, but strength and the structure that they can hold. And the penis is the structure around which, uh, around which the soft, you know, we can use the penis and the vagina around which the woman can flow and move. And uh, when a man 
inserts himself into the woman's energy, right? Uh, he is there to serve her pleasure. And when he does so, uh, she actually imprints on his brain, uh, imprints in his cellular memory, and he becomes, in a sense, uh, I don't want to say the word obsessed, but he becomes very aware of her. And the language that we use is he could feel her through his heart. And uh, so his attentiveness uh, would be the structure, his attention to her, his intention for her. All of these things would be towards her as opposed to for himself. And in that serving, in that giving of himself, uh, it perpetually and perpetuates an openness and an intimacy within the relationship that she desires and wants and can find safe. Uh, and there's so much in this conversation that plays sexually, but also all the way from the micro uh, individual sexuality to the macro of what our culture is trying to transform into right now in the way that women are being not pedestalized, but brought back into their proper place of balance. Egalitarian. Yeah. And it's yeah. important for me too, in sex to not come to him and rely on just the masculine to get my body from, you know, like I'll, I'll come from work. I have to be in my masculine space in order to get things done or even with the kids and get things done. It's important that I'm practicing pleasure in my body, sensuality, my senses. You know, this is the, the essence of a woman wanting to beautify everything and make the world smell good and make it look good and use your senses, your sensuality to bring pleasure of life into your body to soften it. And if I am coming to him with an empty bucket, which many women do, I was never taught to do this, then my body wouldn't get from zero to like explosive orgasm and sex with him. I had to come to him um, really prioritizing self-nurture, self-care, using my senses to enjoy life. And then I was able to offer that to him as a gift and he could give himself to me as a gift. And, you know, then it goes from, you start at 70 and then it can go to a million <laughs> as opposed from zero to like maybe oh, 40. So good. Wow. That there's so much there. That's fantastic. So good. <laughs> wow. Well, we're for the listeners. Um, what, what what would you like, you know, people coming from very different, what would, what would you, how would you instruct people who are maybe just on a, um, they're just now like hearing about this idea of masculine feminine energy, you know, obviously each person has masculine feminine energy within themselves, you know, and a man has that, a woman has that, but mm -hmm. where, 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 how would you instruct or uh, what advice would you give to people that, um, that need to like maybe come into some kind of awareness or balance in this area and specifically in regards to their, their sex lives and their relationships. How would you begin to, people would be like, where do I start with this? What, what would you say to that? My answer is going to sound a little bit off, but uh, a little bit different than most might. But I have noticed a correlation in me in that the deeper I am willing to connect with my inner child and his traumas, uh, my inner feminine and uh, give her a place of honor within myself and uh, kind of that family, the more I am able to be aware of uh, my generative, uh, generative masculine qualities. 
And so, uh, and, and bring those, all of those, uh, as a practice of building confidence and trust in myself into my sexual relationship. So to put that very succinctly, uh, the deeper I'm willing to do the work of healing my traumas, the more available I am uh, at being attentive and aware sexually. So uh, can I ask how, yeah. how practically do you do that? Like, is there some specific thing that you do to... Uh... There is a very specific thing I do that I actually, this is what I do for a living, is I actually train men in, uh, in building internal infrastructure, so emotional, spiritual infrastructure, and specifically to build towards a practice I call an emotional deep dive, where I show men uh, the layers of their emotions that they've built, that their calloused and petrified emotions they've built around their heart, and within each layer are actual versions of their inner child, and how they can relate, attune to, uh, bring safety to a part of their psyche that has been left to feel unsafe for sometimes decades and then bring that into their heart, their essence, uh, the core of who they are. And the more they, they develop that practice, uh, the more connected they become with themselves and the more whole they sense themselves being. And as they do that, uh, as they do that, it is amazing how they then present themselves to the external world. So, uh, and then for a woman, I would say, you know, I had great teachers. I, uh, Michaela Boehm is someone I've studied under and she is a master at getting women back into their feminine flow. And a lot of Christians freak out because she's like a tantric lineage holder, Kashmiriage, you know, Kashmirian lineage holder. And yet I was led to her to learn to unmock mm. my body. So you know, just I've had great teachers, Dr. Christine Page, just moving into my feminine flow and learning how to find that pleasure in my body. So this is what I teach women to do. I run a women's circle of women from all over the world and teach women to get back into that feminine flow, the part of us that we can learn to trust ourselves as opposed to abdicate all of our authority to oh, an yeah. external man Absolutely. in a pulpit. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that we both have said separately, Ultimately, it's about learning to trust yourself. Yes. And when you can trust yourself individually, you, you can then, you then feel a confidence to open yourself up to somebody that you're in mm. intimate relationship with. It's not about, it's not necessarily, uh, the, the pri let me say it this way, the primary issue is not trust of the mm. other person. The primary oh. issue is trust of yourself. Mm. As you're developing that trust of yourself and stacking that, those ex you know, experience mm. on a daily basis, practicing self-trust, or bringing your to yourself to a place where you synthesize and think about yourself as someone who is trustworthy, then you feel more ready to open yourself mm. up and trust to someone else. But you come Luke, first. That's just yeah. And we both trained under Michaela for intimacy and attraction, sexual polarity. And that's one thing I didn't say, but that's really important because in the bedroom, you will always, even in gay couples, you will have someone who holds the masculine pole, someone who holds the feminine pole. And what that means is one person will hold structure and one person will always be the flow or one person will be the penetrator, one person will be the penetratee. And by that, I mean the, the more that you have that polarity. So the more I can as a woman move into my feminine flow, the more erotic friction we have in the bedroom. 
you know, because we work together and a lot of times I'll be in my masculine, he'll be in his masculine to get things done. And we have to actually have practices and intentionality to pull apart. Otherwise, we're just best friends living together, sitting on the couch, watching Netflix at nights. And there's no sexual polarity. So we have to practice making sure that I pull apart into my feminine and he stands up in his masculine. And then we have that erotic friction again. And this is a very practical uh, way to look at this for a lot of couples who are working and who are getting things done in their life. Maybe they work together or don't work together, or even in their home, they both feel like they need to get something done or, uh, you know. I mean, a mother's making right. meals for the kids and laundry. She's in her masculine doing all of that. And, and imagine that that's happening and they're both in their masculine. And uh, understanding that the brain is there to give you answers whether they're right or wrong. So always understand you got, you've got something in your system that is always trying to give you answers, whether they're good answers or bad answers, it can't tell the difference, but it convinces you that you're right. Now imagine both of you are in your masculine getting stuff done and a man typically, or the masculine typically won't be attracted to another masculine. It'll be attracted to another feminine, to the feminine and both of you in your masculine. And so all of a sudden you can feel this embitterment or just kind of a, Ugh, mm-hmm. or like a sense of disgust or, and then your brain begins to give you all these stories as to why maybe you might be experiencing that bitterness or that disgust when really, if you could practice this and understand that what's happening is, what could be happening is the masculine is just wanting and desiring the, the pull, you know, the friction. So when both of you can, can learn these skills of one stepping into the masculine, one in the feminine, then seeing if there's any sort of uh, any sort of dissonance in your energies then, any sort of disgust or bitterness, then, or, or if it all goes away, it may just all go away. That's the thing. We take problems into the bedroom and we don't have to deal with the particulars of it. That's right. Because the sexually energy of creation can, it can unify it. You go mm. from duality into non-duality into a sacred space of oneness, opening up and love. And yes. so that takes care of a lot of problems. Just the skill itself cuts through the, cuts through the BS of, of the good or the bad that our thinker, mm. our brain might be trying to deliver to us and straight into so a sense of connection first. Well, so um, I have a question. Um, so you, you talked about how you sort of had to leave um, or you, you had to discover some of these things outside of uh, Christianity. But now that you have sort of grasped some of these concepts, um, do you find that some of these concepts actually do have uh, a place within Christianity? In other words, like maybe these are things that you didn't discover through your Christian sort of faith, but now that you've discovered it elsewhere, do you find that it has a correlation uh, within your Christian faith? It's it's sad that we have to make this distinction, but we really need to make it in that when we use the word Christianity, typically culturally we're talking about a uh, westernized system of people that go to church and their kind of corporate building of while putting the the logo of G- Jesus or Christianity on it. That's not Christianity, right? I agree. So the Chris, so this place, the, the the things we're talking about were are very much. Christian and very much from uh, have their roots in Christianity, have their roots in these spiritual practices. Uh, and we're, you know, 
we find all the time as we discover and live these experiences and we revisit many of, uh, we revisit some scripture, we revisit conversations, we revisit things that we, and we see them from a whole new perspective. And uh, they are so deeply ingrained in the teachings in the Bible that it's, I still get astounded that somehow they're missed and they're not seen. Yeah. I just, I love the work that you both are doing and what you're representing to this world. I can't stress just how important it is. It's just so vitally important and really excited about the fact, uh, well, we're just honored to host the conversation on the podcast, but I would, we would love to direct our listeners to how, how can they get in touch with you? How, what, are, what are some things that you're excited about? Where can people get in contact with your work? You can check out Krista's Instagram. Uh, she has two of them, one at Krista Black Gifford, and one is at Spiritually Sexy. And my Instagram is at The Master Heart. And you can, check, you can find our latest offering, which we're pretty excited about, the Master Heart Marriage Intensive at masterheart.com slash marriage. We're actually doing a uh, intensive, so it's going to be a three-day intensive here in Nashville, May 3rd through the 5th. And we're going to be teaching much less lecturing, much more practicing. So you couples will be with one another uh, using their using their bodies, experiencing their intimacy through their bodies uh, and retraining uh, their nervous systems for intimacy and attraction, cutting through all the BS, all the piles of pain that you brought in and learning tools to reconnect in the moment, even when you're Mm. triggered. That's right. That's awesome. And then Luke has his Master Heart Man. And then I have a Master Heart Man. It's called the Master Heart Man. It's a group coaching program where I take 30 men over an eight-week period, so two months, uh, and teach them uh, spiritual, emotional infrastructure. So we work on everything from an infrastructure for the the light in in you and an infrastructure for the shadow in you. So how to very practically take steps into healing your inner child and then how to very practically uh, stay connected to your emotions and your body and bring that uh, in a very powerful way to the world around you. Oh, that's amazing. Really great. Well, thank you so much, both of you, um, for being on, being our heretics of the week for uh, this episode. This has been really amazing. So thank you guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. That was good, but it was missing something. What was I, I don't know. I think it was actually perfect. I can't. I can't think of anything that would have made that any better. It was. Uh, Fuck you, Keith. Fuck you. What are you talking about? That Man. was great. That was like one of the best things I think we've ever done. It was probably number one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. It was. It was great. No, no. But seriously, yeah. Yep. It was uh, one of those where, unfortunately, we couldn't schedule everything in such a way that all of us could be in the room at the same time. Or at least, you know, logged in at the same time. Um, so we did miss you on that one, Matt. But uh, it was a great conversation and kind of leads us into our topic, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, these guys, I feel like they, <clears throat> a lot of things that Lucas and Krista were, were talking about, um, you know, you could just spend hours unpacking them. I, they're my personal, it, you know, they've been, had a huge impact in my life. And I've had, I've had Lucas on my podcast that there's just a lot you can unpack. But for our topic today um, about, good sex. Like obviously we've, we've talked a lot about in our episode, just, you know, issues around how we view sexuality problems that have been there as a result. Um, just all kinds of things, but it's nice to just talk about 
the goodness of sex, of the act of sex. Yeah. That's that's got to be the greatest back solo of all time. I swear. It is. No, it is. Your hands down. And you just, you just play it out. Play it out. Just like Let's play it, play it out. Play it out, baby. Let's just keep that playing for the for the rest of the podcast. I think that would be the greatest podcast. I'd be like, this is good, good loving. Throw this shit on and yeah. just see what happens because it, it can't go bad. It can't go bad. Oh yeah. But you know, I, it is like, I don't know. I can't tell you how many people like this, the sexual, our sexual lives are, it's such a, and again, it's such a barometer of so many things. I don't think it like sex. You're, if you have a good sex life, doesn't make you have a great life, but I think a good sex life is a overflow of flow of like when things are, are flowing together, um, in life and, um, it just, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a, it's a state of being, you know, and I feel like the act of sex can be reflective of, um, of just the heart of God. Like I really believe the heart, the, the, the heart of God, you know, if you think about the essence of what is the aim of everything and that is union and oneness and connection and this, the sexual act is such an embodiment, a metaphor, so to speak of the, 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 the expression of the divine, you know, and I just think it's a fantastic thing. Wow. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. I, no, I it, it seems like, uh, it's sad that coming from an evangelical background, especially knowing people and sort of being a part of like a purity culture, it just seems, it's kind of sad that that's the truth. I, I agree with everything you just said, Jamal, but then when it comes to like most of well, most of my early Christian experience and most of the experience of many people, it's like it's so mucked up and it's so uh, I said mucked. So don't ring me up. Ralph. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it just it's to, to have missed the point by such a large margin. It's it's is ironic the right word. I, I it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, what I, what I, what I, find, yeah, what I find interesting is. Um, uh, and I, it's funny, this is going to date me and you guys probably have no idea who I'm talking about, but, um, there's a, there's a guy who's a, uh, musician. He's a producer mainly. His name is Charlie Peacock, but he actually, yeah, he's written a few books. Um, oh, yeah. and he actually did, uh, I remember reading an interview with him years ago where he was talking very honestly about sex, you know, again, as a Christian, uh, as a guy who's like a Christian, uh, musician and, and producer and this kind of a thing and songwriter. But uh, it was really refreshing because what he was talking about was the connection that he saw between, like he said, the way he said it was something like, you know, if if there's something between me and God, like if there's something I'm not being honest with God about, or there's a block, there's something that isn't right between me and God, like it's reflected in my sex life with my wife and vice versa. Like if I'm, if there's something between me and my wife that isn't quite right, not only will it be reflected in my sex life, it'll also be reflected in my relationship with God. And and I thought that was such a fascinating thing. Again, this was years ago before anybody was having any conversations that I was aware of as Christian as a Christian about about sex and relationship and the spiritual aspect of it. Uh, in fact, I think actually when I heard that interview, that was before I was married. And since I now that I am married, I, I think I can totally agree with that. I totally can see the connection. It is a spiritual thing. I think it really is. And I think it's it, when the best sex you can have is the, is the sex where you are connected 
in every way. You're connected spiritually, you're connected physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, it's a, it's a complete connection. All, it's all parts of you, not just your physical body, not just some sort of sexual physical act, which, whereas in that sense, sure, that could be pleasurable. But then there's so much, uh, that you're going to miss if you're not really aware and awake and connected, uh, you know, really aware of yourself and aware of your partner in such a way that you are so, and, and this is something, you know, uh, we can talk about it, like the, um, the kenotic sex, right? Or kenosis, this idea of kenosis. Um, people are talking about this a lot lately, Brad Jerzak and, uh, Richard Rohr and Brian Zahn, right? We talk a lot about, hear a lot of conversations about kenosis in the sense it's that the love of Christ is this self-giving love. That's kenosis. But we should have a kenosis in our sexual relationships, right? There should be this self-giving that we are more focused on the pleasure um, and the enjoyment that our partner is receiving than on ourselves. But the the irony is that by doing that, it, that actually does increase our our own personal pleasure at the same time. So it's this interesting kind of symbiotic thing. Yeah. And I think to go along those lines, it also takes one who is willing to really explore themselves vulnerably and be honest with themselves and start to understand who they are, you know, these um, existential questions and, you know, learning about your own ego and your own blind spots and being able to be honest with yourself and then stand on your own two feet. I think when you're able to do that in psychology, or um, I think it was coined by this uh, psychologist named David Schnarch, uh, this concept of differentiating from your partner, your others, able to stand on your own two feet and then be able to live canonically for the other. Does that make sense? So it's not, you're never, you're not expecting any reciprocation, though it may come. And, but you're able to, if that doesn't happen, not not have this resentment for them or and to understand that someone's sexuality and their sexual life with another partner, let's say, it's going to it's going to grow you no matter what. So these are things you're going to learn as you become, I think, more in union with that person. But certainly takes a lot of vulnerability to live uh, canonically. Is that mm-hmm. the right term? Well, what's fascinating is it's one of these things where. Um, it's a great principle, even, I mean, certainly, and I know this podcast is specifically about sex. Uh, and so what, everything I think we're saying is, is definitely true about the, the sexual intercourse, right? The sexual act uh, between two partners, but it's also true in your, in your marriage relationship. In other words, the idea that rather than me being selfishly focused on making sure that I get what I want, right. Out of the relationship, out of my life. Uh, out of even just what I'm going to do today and how I'm going to enjoy my day and how I'm going to do the things I want to do and, and go the places I want to go and all that. Because if I'm always, uh, well, let's put it this way. If both partners are always self-focused, there's always going to be a measure of frustration because we can never do for ourselves, um, make ourselves happy, right? We can never completely fulfill ourselves and the things we want to do for ourselves. But if we focus on that same amount of energy, not on ourselves, but on our partner and on their joy and on their fulfillment and on their, um, their happiness, right? If I'm focused on, not on myself, but on making my spouse happy, how are you doing? And uh, what can I do for you? And how can I serve you? Um, that, that also increases my own joy, right? It also increases my own fulfillment. But again, 
And even if that's all that happens, I think that's what you just said, Matt. Like, even if it's only a one-way street, um, it's still a good thing, but it's even better if you're both doing that. Because if both of you are focused on each other's joy and fulfillment and pleasure or whatever in the sexual union, um, oh my gosh, now it's it's exponentially better. Yeah, and I just think that would be, I mean, I think there's a danger to this because we're all human and none of us are going to just be like, oh, it's totally cool that no, my partner doesn't pay attention to me. I'm just going to give and give and give. No, that's like, what I mean. Yeah. I, I, hear, I, almost, I, almost, you know, I almost hear people thinking like, okay, going to that place like I would and say, well, what about in a in a, a, to- a toxic environment where it's take 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 and give give give, um, only one sided? Well, no, I I think it only really works in that exponential ideal of what a marriage should be. Right. Is that um, it? That is the orientation of of someone that you know you're in a long term committed yeah, relationship. Yeah, I agree. With. And I think if you are in a, if you were in a marriage <clears throat> situation or, or or a partnership. Um, where it was always only one person and always the same person who was the, who was the, uh, giver <laughs> and one person, the same person who was always mm-hmm. the receiver and that never changed. Um, yeah, I think there might need to be some conversation there. Like, why isn't this something that, um, because even if nothing else, you know, you, the conversation should at least be on the side of saying, Hey, listen, you know, you would say to your partner, Hey, listen, it is so amazing. What I get out of, uh, even in a selfish way, I get so much pleasure and enjoyment out of focusing on your pleasure. You should try it. It's really great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that comes off a little condescending, but, <laughs> but but I mean, but it is. It is something like it isn't. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's something that's actually. Uh, it's such a true thing. And I think if you're in a, but if you are in a sexual relationship that isn't like that, then it's not going to be uh, the best it could be, right? No, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, guys, it's, <laughs> it's, it's super interesting. I, I um, recently heard heard a doctor talking about. He was actually um, uh, studying under this yogi from India, and uh, this yogi invited um, a lot of like. Um, uh, quantum scientists to come to the session and he asked the, these quantum scientists to discuss what the nature of the unified field is what they consider the unified field um that underlies you know all of existence and they started naming the qualities just from a scientific perspective from a quantum physics perspective of what they've discovered about the quant- the unified field and everything that they were describing after they were done sharing this yogi says you know this concept of I think you call it Brahman or whatever, but it's like this idea of their concept of God from an Eastern perspective. You basically, it contains all of those elements. And basically, so if you think about, I'm fascinated by the way physicists talk about the unified field and they talk about things like, obviously these are basics of physics, but the idea that everything is made up of either electromagnetism, um, gravity, and then there's something they call strong side forces and weak side forces, basically the four elements of everything, but they're unified by this field. But the thing, but these four elements express um, some, express the essence of what this unified field is. So if we think about the unified field as consciousness, God, as love, then these four qualities of creation are the expressions of the nature of this unified field, which I would call the divine. And so electromagnetism is so to me, I've been fascinated by the concept of electromagnetism because in that you have the concept of polarity, which I believe Lucas and Krista talked about 
in relation to sex. Hey, you do know this is a podcast about sex, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But it's, <laughs> like you're going to get around to how this is, all relates to sex. Okay. Yes, he says. So I, I, what I what I loved about Lucas and Krista's interview is that they talked a lot about like, so so the idea of masculine and feminine. Obviously, um, these are this is the concept of polarity, but like giver and receiver. So. Can and I, I hear what you guys are saying, which is amazing. Like, the, yeah, one like when you give, there's a sense of satisfaction mm-hmm. um, in the other person receiving. And uh, Krista talked a lot about like it took a lot of work for her to get into her what she what she called her feminine, her place of softness of being able to receive. But I think there's a way to give. So like, and then Lucas talked about the masculine essence really desired to give to satisfy, um, and that kind of thing. And there was so much health because. Because in their beginning of their marriage, like they didn't understand these these concepts, and then and then they were they were operating in a way that that did not like. So if you think about electromagnetism in a way, so polarity. If you if you if you lose polarity in electromagnetic sense, there's not attraction. <clears throat> you don't have that sense of union of oneness. So like for her to get into her feminine essence as a receiver, there was a way to actually even give in that, in the sense of like to be able to pull the giver in in to you know like to pull to pull the giver into themselves there's a there's a, it, it it's you can i think you don't have to lose the sense of polarity by you know you can be a, a receiver or a giver and yet um both can still receive in that and both can still give in that if that makes sense yeah I, so i, I yeah. love what they talked about in that and how totally. it worked yeah I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I feel like I need to get um, I need to get a couple of things now. I need to get a magnet. I need to get some jumper cable. Um, let's maybe some batteries. Uh, I, okay. but, but, but I think there's just so much of like like there's everything's a metaphor. You know what I mean? Like even the act of sex is like teaching us about the divine. You know, you think about God is made like human beings are made in the image and likeness of God. But if you think about what is God, God is male and female in unison, in unity and oneness with each other. And like, it's almost like everything is kind of like expressing that reality, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, this is, this is even true in, in same sex relationships too. Like, it's not just, you know, there's this essence of polarity that even, you can see there, but it's, it, you see it everywhere. And I find that to be fascinating that everything in existence is trying to communicate or express in, you know, three-dimensional time, this reality of God, you know, yeah. it just, it's fascinating to me. And to think of sex as that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pulling your leg. I mean, I'm, I'm just having fun with you, but I, 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 I totally hear what you're saying. I agree. I think that is uh, a fascinating aspect of human sexuality and um there is a giver there's a receiver and that can change that can you know those roles can uh can sort of switch polarity back and forth as we're you know in in the uh in the time that you know intimacy that you're sharing together but i think um it also even goes beyond just the the physical like the act itself right i mean sort of like i've heard people talk about like how really um sex really kind of begins when you first wake up in the morning, you know what I mean? Do you, do you, do you cuddle in the morning when you wake up? Do you speak to each other in, in encouraging tones? Do you, Hey, let me get that for you. You know, Hey, I did this surprising thing for you. You didn't ask me to, but I, but I'm showing you something uh, as far as like favor. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest about how I find you beautiful or attractive or 
uh, or appreciate mm-hmm. something about you. Like it's something that has to really, it's something that it goes through the entire day. It's not just, okay, um, time for sex, right? It's not just some mechanical <laughs> thing. Um, and if it is, again, if that's what's happening, then you're missing something, right? It, sure. It's something that, um, that, that, that part of that is it's, it starts with just the way you affirm one another, the way you see one another, the way you speak to one another, the way you, um, you're giving and taking, you know, in this relationship, mm. even before we get, there's a, even a, any physical union. Yeah. I, and there's so many, Oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was just going to quickly say, yeah, sex is much, much more than intercourse. So mm-hmm. yeah, sex is, it's something that it's not a task to be done or it shouldn't be. I mean, um, you know, just, I don't want to say shouldn't be. I've, I have personally found, um, through firsthand knowledge that when it's viewed like a task, it's not, it's not, uh, as it's, as it's intended, um, when you compare it to when you're intentional, you're not just intentional about the act itself, but you're intentional about, um, sex transcending that physical act throughout and, and to be sort of present with it. Like we're present with a lot of things throughout our day. And, this goes mm-hmm. beyond sex. I mean, presence is what is needed. Intentionality is what is needed. Yeah, mm. and I've heard, I've heard people talk about this, but that the create creative energy, you know, the energy that the divine had to create the universe, the the energy that we operate in when we create as creatives is actually sexual energy, and I find that to be really fascinating when you think about it, because like how it breaks down, and for me. Uh, just in my own life or in my own day, when I wake up in the morning and I approach, I say, okay, today's a blank slate, so to speak. I can create the day. However, I can create the day. And when I, when I wake up with that kind of consciousness of creation, I tend to be more in touch with my, I find just in my own body, find to be more in touch with my feelings of love, of sexuality, because I feel like I'm creating. And so my goal in creating is to create a beautiful reality, create a reality of service, create a reality while I'm giving. And so it does put me in touch with sexual feelings, my sexuality. I, I find it translates beautifully in my relationship. But there are days I notice when I approach the day, if I'm affected, and, and we all have those days. I mean, it's just it's a fact of life. If I feel affected by something, like I feel you know, slighted or not loved or something's going on internally that I need to like process. It takes me out of that creative energy and it actually takes me out of my sexuality. It actually takes me out. And then my, if, if then sexuality can get a little, I've found it like almost like it doesn't have that same essence of like wanting to serve and give. It has the sense of, uh, you could have the sense of even wanting to satiate or something yeah. like that. And it's a very different energy. Um, and I, so I, I find that fascinating when people talk about sexual energy as creative energy, people who write, you know, writers and musicians and whatever, it's like, there's this energy to want to give birth and to express. And uh, I do believe that is what literally gave birth to creation, the, the entire universe is this energy, this sexual energy uh, that we actually operate in. We have in, in our own being as well. Yeah. Are you saying, are you saying writers are make better lovers? Is that what you're saying? Hey, yes, of course. Everyone knows that. <laughs> well, but it is interesting though. If you think about it though, like, you, like how do you, you can't, uh, there is a reason that, um, that so much, so much of, uh, people who are, who are producing music or creating content tend to be in touch with their heart, with their emotions, with their feeling, because there's an energy there that seems to unlock. And again, if we're saying, okay, where's the source of this? Where's the source of like transcendent music? Tran- even people who are writing scripts for films or 
creating, putting things out in the world. What's the, what's the essence of that? And to me, it's, it is, uh, it's, it's, uh, you're to, to take a life from one source and bring it into this three dimensional world is a form of birth. It's a form of conception. I mean, I've, I've had that sensation of like a book, when you write a book, it starts like as a conception, it develops like a, in a womb and then you give birth to it. There's that same quality. And, uh, it's, it's just fascinating that that's, I honestly believe that's sexual energy. You know, it's weird to put it that way, but it, I just kind of see it that right. way. And we can operate that in life and in our own bodies and in our relationships. And of course, the when you're in an intimate relationship with someone and you can express the sexual relationship, it's like another metaphor of the divine, which is literally running through everything. And isn't, I think, I think that's why Robert California on The Office says, everything is sex. Yeah. <laughs> In his interview <laughs> to get a <Yeah>. job. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. Uh, yeah. But isn't, maybe there's some truth oh, to Robert that. Robert California ways, was a yeah. scary genius. That's what he yes, was. Yes, he was. He was a scary genius. <laughs> For so, all of our offices out there. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I know we're, we're pretty much here getting close to the end, but I just had a question. I'm curious for what you guys think about this, because again, our whole topic here is good sex. And uh, we, we talked a lot about, you know, focusing on the other person and having good communication and all that. But um, I want to get into something more specific, like, so what if um, you kind of hit this point in your sexual um, relationship where it just kind of feels like one person isn't getting their needs met or it's kind of like um, you kind of just feel like you're going through the motions and and. Um, and and then maybe that spark that was there at the beginning isn't there anymore. So now what? Now, in other words, so maybe in the beginning it was good, but now it's become a, something that isn't good. Now, what do you do about that? Well, I I think in in every situation it's going to have its own uh, personal context, and so every situation is going to be different. I think I I wish that this would be my wish is that in our culture we didn't have like uh, a lot of shame um, towards people who see therapists or sex therapists or thing like that. So I think, I think some couples should probably see a good sex therapist. I mean, um, professionals in that arena can be very helpful. So that might be some context. Some people need to read books. Mm -hmm. Um, some people need to talk about underlying issues that's, uh, maybe, uh, in the subconscious that, that is causing, um, some hang up sexually or vulnerability, because I think if we're not vulnerable in our lives, we're not going to have as good of a sex life. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's a, there's a whole litany of, of things, um, that, uh, depending on your context, you would want to seek those different avenues, but there are answers out there. There's good books, there's good groups, there's good therapists. And if we're always honest with our partner and and then we receive someone's honesty and vulnerability without condemning them or judging them or mocking them, then I think I think most of us are capable to work through things. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. I, I think in, in our situation, you know, Winnie and I have been married for like 28 years, I think. And um, I would say we have a pretty amazing uh, sexual relationship. And it, but it's it's been primarily because over the years we have always we've had great communication. Like we've, we've worked, both of us have worked really, really hard uh, at honest and frequent communication. You know what I mean? Like we we're always checking with each other and like, how are you doing? And is this okay? And, um, and, and making sure that we always make, we, we always make sure that the other person knows that we are open to feedback. We're open to, you know, if something, if there's anything going on, anything that isn't right, you can tell me, and I'm, I'm not going to bite your head off. 
I, I'm not going to react in some negative way. Like we both value communication because we trust each other. We love each other. We believe the best of each other. And so when, when we're discussing specifically about these kinds of things, it's like, we would, oh, why would we bring it up? Well, we would only bring it up because we, we both want to make it better. And so I think right. always, always beginning from that place, that's really what's been great for us, just communication. Yeah, for me, I, and I think that I would, I'm just a huge believer in, again, I agree with everything you guys are saying, uh, regular communication. Um, like I'm a firm believer in like people talk about like finances. Like if you, if you, people, you know, they, the two biggest things I think people have said that, you know, I've heard that in marriages and relationships, people fight about money and they fight about mm-hmm. sex, you know, and, and these are two. And the reason I think is not because these are two difficult things, but because of it's a touchy subject that you know, people don't know how to communicate in a way that doesn't come across as an accusation. So like, if you could just, I just, I'm a firm believer in having a regular time where people sit down and, and for the purpose of sharing, you know, if so, like, you know, and, you know, from from pretty early on in our relationship, my relationship with now my wife, uh, but before with Taylor, Taylor and I, we would sit down, and I'm just a firm believer because I I've been in a relationship where we did not communicate, and I know what that's like, and it's not it doesn't it's not good, it's not healthy. So I, I've sat down, you know, Taylor and I've made it a point like every week where we sit down and we talk about many things, but one of the things we talk about is our sex life say, Hey, how do you feel like it's going? Because it's such an important, our sex life isn't just like this thing that, you know, is important, but we don't like to talk about it, but it's like, no, this is actually really important. So how do you feel like it's going? Where do you feel like it's, where do you feel like there's, do you feel like there's flow and are we thriving in, in, in this area? Okay. And what areas, and what areas do you, do you feel like we're not thriving? And I want to hear what she has to say. And I also want to share. And that way people aren't, you know, if you have some like, resentments or if you have some things, if, if you are always on the giving end and you feel like there's no receiving going on, well, how's that ever going to get communicated? It usually comes out in a fight or in, or in right. some frustration, yep. but a better way is if you could just talk about it and say, Hey, listen, how do you feel like it's going? And when the person is speaking, the other person's listening mm-hmm. like intently and wanting to hear and wanting to make sure the other person is heard. And so you can be able, be able to move into really what the ideal is because, and that's, and I'm telling you, our, we have the best sex after communication. And we're, you know, even if there's hangups, even if there's like, oh, this is a challenge and we don't really know what to do about it. And in the conversation, we really didn't resolve anything, but the other person felt heard right there. You have connection and it's beautiful. And I just, I can't say that enough. I just feel like communication because we already know the answers like inside of us, like there's our spirits are there and love is there and love will Love will show us what we need to move forward in our journey because we're on a journey together in this life. And how do we get where we want to be? It comes through like hearing and uh, we both have the voice of God uh, in us. And so if we'll listen to each other and we can discern that voice of God, we'll know the way forward in our sex life and every yeah, area of absolutely. life. Amen to that. Good stuff, guys. Yeah, this is great. I enjoy it. This is a perfect, uh, perfect climax. It was climax. Yes. So, guys, that doesn't go with Barrett's song. So, so guys, I got to ask, guys, was it good for you? Was it good for you? It was, it was, it was, it was, it was good. It was good for me. 